Let's pray together. Oh God, as we come to you on the Lord's day, Lord, we are so thankful for the privilege, for the blessing, for the freedom to gather as your people and look to you. And God, that's what we do in this moment. We are looking to you with our Bibles open. We want our hearts to be open as well to hear from you, to hear your truth. And so we pray, God, that your word would do the work this morning, that your word would stir, would convict, would encourage us. And Lord, we are so thankful that Jesus addresses this issue of anxiety. And we pray, Lord, that you would bring freedom from those of us who are here this morning who feel enslaved to this sin, Lord, that you would break chains today for the glory of your name. And in Jesus' name we pray, amen. Well, I want you to imagine three different kinds of people. The first, let's call Joe Flow because he likes to go with the flow. He's extremely laid back doesn't worry about the next five minutes, let alone tomorrow. He's an optimist all the time and is constantly carefree. He doesn't plan and would not be characterized as being responsible. In fact, he doesn't quite understand why other people are so uptight all the time. Person number two, let's call Aunt Anxiety. Because even though she's extremely responsible, she's always anxious about something. She's a type A personality and equates preparation and planning with worry. She frets and overthinks almost every decision and issue in life. And if there's no reason to be anxious, she makes up a reason. She cannot imagine life without some type of reason to worry. Person number three, let's call Sister Sally. Sally is a mature balanced Christian. She's married and a faithful mother of three children. She has strong character and is close to the Lord. However, she awakes one night to her husband who's unable to move his right side and can't speak. A brain tumor is discovered, but major surgery is useless. The doctor tells them that the recovery period will be lengthy and will not return her husband to normal strength. In fact, the prognosis is three years, during which time he will become more and more like a vegetable and then will die. Now these three people, picture them in your minds, listen to a sermon on Matthew chapter 6, verses 25 through 34, about anxiety, where Jesus commands on three different occasions, do not be anxious. Now how will each of them react? The first, Joe Flo, will be quite satisfied. He knew other people were too uptight all the time. He's happy and free of concern and rests assured that he's being obedient to the passage. The second, Aunt Anxiety, feels extremely convicted and rebuked by the sermon. She feels so convicted that she begins to doubt her own salvation and begins to worry about worrying so much. The third, Sister Sally, hears the sermon and whispers bitterly under her breath that the preacher should watch his own spouse die and then preach on the topic. She then goes on to think about all the possible things people should worry about. The presidential election, the economy, cultural morality, maybe on a more personal, personal note, how to cope with illness, 
paying bills on time, family arguments, rebellious teenagers, and so on and so forth. So Sally thinks to herself, not worry? No, you don't understand. It can't be done. Now, I borrowed and nuanced these three characters from D.A. Carson's commentary on Jesus' Sermon on the Mount, but I could have listed several more characters just to represent how difficult it is to address the issue of anxiety. And in fact, even thinking about all the possible and different reactions to hearing a sermon on the issue of, of anxiety makes it also very difficult. And so I think it's important to know that when we're handling Scripture and we're dealing with a specific topic, that we need wisdom, we need balance, and we need to avoid having these over-generalities that aren't very helpful at all. So the way that I want us to think about anxiety this morning is to think about anxiety on a continuum. It's, it's on a spectrum, that there are different levels of anxiety. Because I know some of us are going to equate anxiety only with panic attacks. That for some of us, we're only going to think about anxiety in terms of, this is what I feel when I have really, really significant and troubling issues in my life. And yet there's a continuum. There are different levels of anxiety. And in fact, I would argue that if you're biblically responsible at all, that you're battling anxiety on some level within this continuum. And the reason for that is because of, of all the issues that we face in life. That for some of us, it might be battling the worry of health, or our finances, or the eternal destiny of a loved one. Or it could be worrying about being accepted by others or, or trying to succeed in our jobs. Or maybe you worry about what you look like in the mirror. Or if you're a good mom or dad. Or if you'll ever get married. Or maybe you wrestle with the daily struggle of getting things done on your to-do list. Or getting on time to a meeting or a destination. Or picking out the right outfits. Making dinner. Pleasing your boss. Not getting a speeding ticket where to sit at the lunchroom, and, and so on and so on. There are so many potential issues in our lives that can cause worry and anxiety. And yet, what I want us to think through this morning is to identify what is the line between being faithful and responsible and wise and, and to plan and prepare, and then crossing over that line into ungodly anxiety and worry. See, if you're like me, you like to plan, you want to be wise, you want to be responsible, and yet there are times in my own life where I can almost idolize those things and I begin to cross over that line into ungodly worry and anxiety. And so what does that line look like for us? And so my attempt today is to help us think through how to be faithfully responsible and yet not unfaithfully anxious. How to view worry and anxiety as a potential barrier in our spiritual growth, but also to think through how can I view worry as an opportunity to grow in my relationship with the Lord? And I think Jesus helps us do that in our passage today in Matthew chapter 6. And so as we move through this passage, I want to highlight three things, just so you know where I'm going today. The first is the problem. So the problem of anxiety that Jesus identifies Number two, I want to look at the prescription. So what is the prescription to anxiety? How do we actually treat it? What does Jesus lay out for us? And then number three, I want to address the principle. So how do we live 
in a way where we actually grow closer to the Lord when we experience the potential barrier of anxiety. And so here's number one, the problem. In thinking about worry or anxiety as a potential barrier to our spiritual maturity, we first need to see the problem of worry. And more specifically, what I want us to see is what worry reveals in our hearts And Jesus gets at that in our passage. Look at the first word in verse 25. It's the word, therefore. And if you're new to church or if you're new to reading the Bible, the word, therefore, is very, very important. Because generally, when this word is used, what the author is trying to do is he's trying to take the argument that he just laid out in the previous passage, and he's trying to connect that to the current passage. And so if you look at the argument in the previous passage where Jesus, in Matthew chapter 6, verses 19 through 24, Jesus commands his followers not to store up treasures on earth, verse 19. And he says, lay up treasures in heaven. And then in verse 24, Jesus very bluntly proclaims that you cannot serve two masters, God and money. And so on the heels of that command, Jesus says in verse 25, therefore... Do not be anxious about your life. Now, what's the connection that Jesus is trying to make from that passage to our passage here this morning? Well, the connection that Jesus is trying to make is the issue of serving two masters and actually worrying. That Jesus identifies the problem by showing us what worry exposes in our hearts. That it reveals the problem of trying to serve two masters. See, what worry and anxiety does is it forces us to question, are you living your life as if this is all there is, or are you living for the kingdom of God? Which master are you trying to serve, God or yourself? And the problem that unbiblical worry reveals is a heart that is divided and is trying to serve both the kingdom of God and the kingdom of self. And the kingdom of self, all the concerns and the priorities and the values are elevated over the kingdom of God and his priorities. So that's the issue that we're trying to see. I just want to stop for a moment, and because we'll be talking a lot about worry today, and because Jesus says on three different occasions, do not worry, I want to spend a couple minutes just trying to define what worry is. So when you think about worry or you think about anxiety, I want the following to come into your mind. And before I get into the definition, I think it's also helpful to kind of talk about what worry is not for a moment. Okay, so this might be a helpful category. And so three things that worry is not. And several of these thoughts come from Timothy Lane's book, Living Without Worry, How to Replace Anxiety with Peace, which I strongly recommend. But here are three things that worry is not. Okay, number one. Worry is not the same as concern. That if worry is over-concern, then it's different from concern. That it's appropriate to be concerned about things. That the two are not necessarily the same. And you can really recognize the difference because concern takes wise action and prays dependently. But worry, or over-concern, thinks and acts as though everything is up to you and prays desperately, if at all. I found that really helpful. Number two, the solution to worry is not becoming laid back. Now, I'll just confess, I, 
I can't tell you how many times I failed in this principle my first year of marriage. That if Lindsay was dealing with something so many times, I would just say, babe, just, just relax. Just be laid back. And it didn't go over very well. So if you're early on in your marriage today, that counsel is free today. The solution to worry, though, is not becoming laid back. So the answer to over-concern is not under-concern. That the antidote to over-concern is not just being lazy or a, being a laid-back person. Often being disengaged and indifferent can masquerade as godliness when in fact it's not. That's the solution to worry. We have to dig deeper than just having that laid-back surface. Number three, work is not necessarily an expression of worry. Now, another common error is to think that the way to avoid worry is just to become passive and simply look to God to provide for all of your needs. And look, it's no surprise that you'll find nowhere in the Bible the saying, let go and let God. Jesus' illustrations about birds and plants, and even in our passage today, might seem to suggest that passivity is next to godliness, yet nothing could be further from the truth. That God may provide food for the birds, but they have to actively go and get it. Now, of course, working extremely hard could be a sign that we're deeply, chronically over-concerned, but it's not automatically so. And so Timothy Lane, in his book, he goes on to define worry as this. He says, worry is attempting to find your ultimate hope, comfort, and meaning in something that's temporal and fleeting. Found that very, very helpful, especially when you consider that the Greek word for anxiety in our passage, which could also be translated as worry, literally means having a distracted mind or a double mind. And in the broader context of our passage, this division, this divided loyalty is between God's kingdom and your own kingdom. And so the problem of worry and anxiety, what it reveals in our hearts, is a divided loyalty to God and his kingdom. Just think for a moment about that issue in your life that consistently causes worry and anxiety to spring about. And could it be that at the root of that issue in your life is a failure to fully trust that God is going to come through for you based in his timing, based on his resources, and based on his way. That whenever we kind of become dissatisfied with God coming through for us based on his timing, that's when we start to turn and we elevate our own resources and we try to solve whatever issue it is based on our timing. See, the issue with anxiety is not just that we don't believe in God. See, most of us, if not all of us, would say that we believe in God, that we look to God as our provider. But the issue comes when we become dissatisfied with the timing of when God provides for us or the way that God provides for us. And so when we distrust God coming through for us and we look to our own selves to advance our own kingdom, that's when anxiety and worry starts to come about. And I think we'd all agree that when anxiety starts to spring about in our hearts, there are many other sins that tend to follow. I love how John Piper put it in his book, Future Grace, where he said this about anxiety. That anxiety is a condition of the heart that gives rise to many other sinful states of mind. 
think for a moment how many different sinful actions and attitudes come from anxiety. That anxiety about finances can give rise to coveting, greed, hoarding, and stealing. That anxiety about succeeding at some task can, get, can make you irritable and abrupt and surly. Anxiety about relationships can make you withdrawn and indifferent and uncaring about other people. Anxiety about how someone will respond to you can make you cover the truth and lie about things. So if anxiety can be uprooted, then a lot of other sins would be overcome. Isn't that true? That when anxiety is in our lives, it not only reveals a divided loyalty to God, but it also gives rise to many other kinds of sins that we face in our lives. So what do we do? So if this is the problem of anxiety and worry, that it serves as a potential barrier for growth, then what do we do? How do we battle anxiety? Well, let's look at the prescription here that Jesus lays out for us in this next section. In this section of of the prescription or how to treat anxiety, I want to just point out five ways that we are to battle anxiety in our lives. And the way I want you to think about this section is, if, if in the Christian life you have this tool belt, I want you to imagine that I'm handing you five different tools in battling anxiety. Now, I'm not a handyman by any means. In fact, if, if it wasn't for YouTube, I'd probably have to hand in my man card. But I want you to think about these next five things as if I'm handing you a, a hammer or a screwdriver or a saw or, getting out, um, yeah, Name, name some other ones here. I'm not very handy. So just think about these this, five tools for battling anxiety here, okay? And you might think to yourself, okay, one or two was really, really helpful. That's exactly what I need in my battle with anxiety. And maybe you might hear some other ones and think to yourself, that, that doesn't really apply to what I'm going through. Well, I just want to encourage you, don't, don't zone me out or, or, or just, you know, don't write them down, but save them because someday you might actually need them, okay? So five ways to treat anxiety. Here's the hammer. Number one, remember that God values and cares for you. Look with me at verses 25 and 26 and verses 31 and 32. Jesus says, therefore, I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? Now jump down to verse 31. Therefore, do not be anxious, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the Gentiles seek after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. Now, this principle here is really the main thrust of this section. This is the big takeaway that Jesus has for us. That Jesus takes the necessities of life, the necessary food and clothing, and he says, as necessary as those things are, they are not as important as life itself. That he says, is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? That Jesus even points out to the birds and says, look how the Father looks after them. Are you not more valuable than they? Now the birds, they still have to gather their food. They still work. But God is providing and looking out for them. And he says, look, don't be anxious. 
For your heavenly Father knows what you need and cares for you. Now the principle here, the the prescription for anxiety for us, is that when you are filled with anxiety and worry, remember that God not only has given you the gift of life, but God cares for you, God values you, and God sees you. See, sometimes when anxiety comes into our lives, it's because we have failed to remember that God values us and God cares for us and he sees us. And yet, not only that, but when you think about that issue in your life that usually causes anxiety, think about this for a moment, that God, the creator of the universe, actually cares more about that issue in your life than you do. And not only that, but he knows exactly what you need. That what worry and anxiety, what what they try to do in our lives, they try to convince us that God has forgotten about you, that God no longer sees you, that God no longer cares about whatever issue it is in your life, that God no longer notices you. And so this first principle, this first treatment is a beautiful and a freeing reminder that God cares for us, that God sees us, and God values us, and he knows exactly what we need, that he has not forgotten you. Number two is that worry doesn't work. Verse 27, And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to his span of life? Now, have you ever heard of the saying, worry is like rocking in a rocking chair, that it gives you something to do, but you don't actually go anywhere? Jesus is kind of getting at that point here. And in fact, Jesus raises a really good question here. He says, does anxiety actually add a single hour to your life? And that question there is really getting at, does does worry even work? Does worry accomplish anything in our lives? And the point is this, that worry doesn't work. I think we'd all agree with that, and yet it's so easy to slip into the illusion that worry does something. And the lie of worry that I think we've all noticed from one time or another is that the more that you worry, the more anxiety that you have in your life, the more likely it is that you'll solve whatever issue that you're faced with. It's one of the biggest lies of worry. So here's the prescription here. Here's here's the principle, that when you're faced with anxiety, just quickly stop and ask yourself the question, what issue in my life has actually been solved by me worrying? What issue in my life has actually been resolved by being anxious, by fretting over someone? And just remind yourself that worry doesn't work. Number three, ask the Lord to help you Trust him more. Look with me at verses 28 and 30. Jesus says, And why are you anxious about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field and how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is alive and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you O you of little faith. And we'll talk more about this in a moment, but anxiety stems from the root of unbelief. At the very core of anxiety is the failure to fully trust in God. And Jesus gets at that reality with a description at the end of verse 30 where he says, O you of little 
faith. That those of us who have little faith really have a hard time trusting and therefore anxiety starts to grow in our hearts. And so the prescription here is is really simple. It's to cry out to God, saying, God, help my unbelief. God, help me to fully trust you, not just in my head, but in my heart and in my soul so much that it creates a posture of trust and not a posture of worry. And it's not the type of trust where we just let go and let God, but it's the type of trust that says, God, no matter if this issue is never resolved in my life, I'm going to trust you. It's the type of trust that says, God, even if this issue works out horribly for me, I'm still going to trust you because you are good and you work out all things for my good and your glory. The principle here is to cry out to God, God, help me to fully trust and rest upon your promises. Because one thing that worry tries to attack is it tries to attack the size of our God. That worry wants to shrink the bigness of God. Anxiety wants to take the the God of the universe, the God who holds the whole world in the palm of his hand, and worry wants to shrink him to the size of our largest issue. And so one of the prescriptions for worry is to grow our knowledge of God, to remind ourselves that God is big, that God is massive, that there's nothing too hard for our God, and to trust him that no matter what we face, he's going to work out all things for my good and his glory, even if there's pain along the way. So we need to trust him and to trust him more. Number four, seek his kingdom first and foremost. Look at verse 33 with me. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. The principle here is very simple. We are to seek God's kingdom above all else. And worry can be a sign that we're starting to seek our own kingdom our own way. And a prescription to battling worry here is to consider which kingdom are you really pursuing. And so another tool for your tool belt against anxiety is to stop and to analyze your heart to see what priorities are really there. What kingdom are you really trying to advance, God's kingdom or your own kingdom? And that's somewhat abstract. So so here are some questions to ask yourself, just even in the midst of anxiety, to help identify what kingdom you're really trying to pursue. These are questions I ask myself. Here's number one. Is your worry directly connected to advancing or protecting your own kingdom, your own reputation, your own comfort, your own plan for your life? Or is your worry connected to advancing God's kingdom and seeking his righteousness? Number two, what promise or promises of God are you failing to recall and fully trust? So maybe to flip it on its head there, what what lie are you perhaps believing that worry is trying to convince you of? That worry is going to come through for you in ways that God can't. Number three, what are you thinking and dwelling on more, God or whatever issue is causing you to worry? And then number four, fairly convicting question, If an unbeliever heard your anxious thoughts and worries, 
would that make Christ and his kingdom look more attractive or less? So the principle here, look, seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, his values, his priorities in overcoming worry. And we'll get to more of this a little bit later on here. Number five, last tool in your tool belt. Live on today's grace, not your future's trouble. Verse 34. He says, therefore, do not be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. So here's the last one here, that surrender your future's troubles and live on today's grace. That much of the anxiety that we experience is caused by overlooking the grace that is made available for us and really promised for us today because we begin to try to solve tomorrow's issues. That's a huge trap in the Christian life. There's a temptation, I think if, if we we're really honest, to want to feel today the strength for tomorrow. That we want whatever's promised for tomorrow to be today in order to start to tackle those issues that we see in the future. And whenever we start to do that, that's when anxiety starts to spring on in our lives and we miss the assignments that God has for us today. And so when that happens, when we start looking towards the future and and to tomorrow's trouble and not today, we do one of two things. We either cave into anxiety or we come up with some type of strategy to convince us that we really are sufficient for tomorrow's troubles. And yet the strength to live tomorrow will be given tomorrow, not today. We're not promised that, that our task today is to have the strength needed for tomorrow's trouble. It's to live by the grace and the mercy that we are promised today and to believe that when we wake up tomorrow, there'll be more grace, there'll be new mercies in order to tackle tomorrow's issues. And I just wonder how much of our anxiety would be eliminated if we took this to heart. That if we really live this out, to live on today's grace, to to address the problems that we face today, and to not get caught up in all the issues that tomorrow will have for us, but to take one day at a time to be faithful with the assignments that God has for us today. So those are five tools for your tool belt in treating anxiety that Jesus kind of lays out for us. I hope that they're helpful if today, if not If not today, then maybe tomorrow. But I'm also hoping that you walk out of here with a principle that you can live by every single day, no matter what barrier that you face. And so let's talk about the principle that Jesus lays out here. Now this principle that I want to talk about runs throughout Jesus' Sermon on the Mount. You could really apply this principle to any issue that you encounter, and it's this. That as citizens of God's kingdom through Jesus Christ, we are to live a life fully devoted to God, which means we live the way that he lays out for us. So there's a kingdom of this world. There's a kingdom of God that has different values, different priorities, and demands complete loyalty and allegiance And that devotion to God is demonstrated in living the way that God has laid out for us. Now, you might be thinking to yourself, okay, Chris, like, I I know that principle. Yeah, live a life devoted to God. I 
I know that. How, how does that help me in my battle with anxiety? Well, here's the issue. The issue is not being devoted to God. The issue is being fully devoted to God. See, again, we, we would all, most of us, if not all of us, would believe in God. We know God is the great provider. We know that we are to live devoted to him. But anxiety starts to attack that word fully devoted to God. Look again at verse 30. Jesus gets at this point. He says, But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is alive and tomorrow is thrown into the, into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? Therefore, do not be anxious. Did you catch it there? The last phrase, O you of little faith. Jesus says that there's, there's some faith, there's little faith, He's saying there's not, there's not any, no faith at all. There's some devotion, but that devotion to God is not fully. And this is what anxiety reveals, that when anxiety settles into your heart and into my heart, it reveals that we no longer want to do it God's way in God's timing based on God's resources. That we look to our own plan to trying to figure out and, and resolve the issue that we're faced with that we take it on ourselves or we become a prisoner in our own minds, in our own thoughts, trying to do it our own way. And the way that this, this principle plays itself out is when worry just springs on in our hearts, we say, I'm going to fix this my way based on my timing. And we kick God out of the driver's seat of our lives and we place ourselves there and, and we drive the car of our life wherever we want to go. And the thing that, that happens, the thing that's created when we do that is the illusion of control. That just because we've kicked God out of the driver's seat of our lives and we start dealing with the issues the way that we want to, we, we think that we're in control. We think that we're actually solving the issues and figuring out the tension points and, and managing all of the stress when really it's just an illusion that worry and anxiety tries to convince us that you can handle this, that you can do this, and it steers us away from God's way and God's timing and God's resources. And through trying to figure out on our own, we just add more anxiety to our lives. And throughout that process, we miss a phenomenal opportunity to trust in God. A phenomenal opportunity when those issues arise to express our devotion fully to God. At the, the worry and the anxiety that just springs on in our lives can serve as a potential barrier because we're no longer fully devoted to God and his kingdom. Have you ever thought to yourself that what if God is orchestrating things in your life that might cause anxiety and worry in order to create an opportunity for you to trust in him, an opportunity for you to express full devotion to God, that what if he's moving things around, not, not to give you a life of ease and comfort, but to give you a life where you're forced to express that devotion and express that loyalty to God, where God, this issue in my, in my life is causing so much worry and anxiety but I know it's not good for me to, to go away from the plan that you have for me, so I'm going to submit this to you and do it your way based on your timing, on your resources. That so much of this principle is really tied to the gospel, 
knowing how to apply the gospel to whatever issue in life that you're faced with. And I just want to say that if, if you're here this morning and you're not a believer, that you're here and, and you would not call yourself a Christian, that you live a life not fully to God, I just want to say lovingly to you that of all the people in the world, you should be filled with worry. That you should be filled with anxiety. And I, and I say that lovingly. And the reason why I say that is because if you're here and you're not a believer, you might be saying to yourself, what, me? Worry? I, I don't need to worry. I'm financially stable. I, I've got a great job. I've got a great family. My, my kids are doing well. I have no reason to worry. And I just want to lovingly say, you're not looking far enough. You need to look further past your job past your finances, past your family, past your relationships, and look to the day of judgment where you, just like everyone else, will face the holy God and you will have to give an account of your sin. You need to be filled with worry on that day. You need to be filled with anxiety because you're not covered with the blood and the righteousness of God. So if you're here this morning, you're not a Christian. My, I just strongly encourage you to not walk out of here being anxious about that day, but in this moment, in this service, to come to faith in Jesus, to transfer your trust over from yourself and on to Jesus Christ, who 2,000 years ago paid the penalty of your sin and offers his righteousness to cover you so that when God looks at you, he doesn't see your sin and your anxiety. He sees the beautiful righteousness of Jesus Christ and accepts you. Come to faith in Jesus today. Don't, don't walk out of here filled with anxiety on the day of judgment. Look to Jesus who offers a life of everlasting joy, a life where you don't have to be enslaved to anxiety and worry. Follow Jesus. Be devoted to Jesus. So we've looked at the problem of anxiety this morning. We've looked at the prescription. We've looked at the principle that Jesus lays out for us. And before we close, I just want to give us just five application points in knowing how to think and how to address, maybe a little bit more specifically, as it relates to anxiety. Okay, so five quick application points. Number one, I just want to point out that Jesus addresses anxiety, so we should too. I found this really encouraging, that the issue of anxiety, Jesus actually talks about. That Jesus doesn't just sweep this under the rug as a non-issue. He doesn't ask his followers to pretend like anxiety is not a sin, he doesn't downplay it either as if it's, a, a, it's not a big deal or it's in this secondary category of sins. No, Jesus shows us that we can actually come to Jesus with our anxiety because he addresses it here in the Word. So even though that anxiety can sometimes be this, this issue that the church life doesn't really address a whole lot, just want to encourage you to address it, to confront it and repent of it. Number two is that anxiety reveals our idols. Anxiety reveals our idols. That, put it a different way, anxiety has a way of showing us what we truly worship. 
that if anxiety is the symptom, then the root issue that's causing the anxiety is the idol. And so let me just encourage you, think about how to apply this. Don't just attack the symptom of worry and anxiety in your life. Don't just medicate the symptom, but get at the root issue and identify what idol it is that's causing the anxiety to spring about. To identify the idol, repent of the idol, and replace the idol with Jesus. Don't, don't become comfortable with, with worry. Number three here, figure out the line between faithful planning and ungodly anxiety. This might be the, the, the hardest application point, but we are called to wisely plan. We are called to, to, to being faithful and to, and to be prepared. And yet, identify in your own life what that line is from, from being faithful with those things and then kind of dipping into the idol of control. And that line might be different for each one of us. So I just want to encourage you just to look to Scripture, rely on the Holy Spirit, to get around in your accountability groups or your small group or your community and try to identify what that line is for you in being faithful and yet crossing over and having ungodly anxiety. Number four is that anxiety is an opportunity to apply the gospel. So the application point here is don't waste your worry. That anxiety is a great opportunity to apply the gospel. Don't waste it or address it on a surface level to dig down deep at the heart issue and see what, where the gap is in your life from fully trusting in the gospel and applying the gospel and whatever issue it is that you're facing. The gospel does speak into every issue that we face. The gospel speaks into our self-worth, our identity, our security, our comfort, our acceptance, our future, and so on and so forth. The gospel speaks into all of those issues. And to figure out how does the gospel speak into whatever issue is causing you to worry. And then the last one here is to invite others to help you. That one of the strongest lies that anxiety will tell you is that you are alone. That no one is worried like you. That no one will understand. That there's embarrassment to being someone that has worry or anxiety and no one can help you. And I just want to encourage you to, to see this as an opportunity to invite other people into your life and, and hold you accountable. Whether it's a close friend or a spouse or a small group or your family to be able to help you apply the gospel to this area of your life. And so this morning as we close, and, and we're going to sing a couple more songs just to respond to the, the greatness of God, to his promises that he has for us, I just want to ask you, where are you in your battle with anxiety? That if there is a continuum of different levels of anxiety, where do you fall? And, and are you actually addressing anxiety or have you become comfortable with it? And so as we move into these next two songs, this, this first song that we're going to sing together is probably an unfamiliar song. So I just want to encourage you just to maybe think through some of these application points in your own life. Maybe you just want to take the time just to pray and just to allow the God Allow God to just search your heart. Maybe you need to think through some promises that you're failing to recall and fully trust in. 
Or maybe you want to turn to the person next to you and just ask that person to pray over you in your battle with anxiety. But, but just take this first song as just an opportunity to just, just meditate upon God and where you are with anxiety. And then, uh, and then we'll continue on in singing. So let's pray together. God, we do thank you for Jesus and for the way that he does address the issue of anxiety God, we thank you that we don't have to hide our issues. God, we thank you that your grace is enough, Lord, that you are sufficient, that you display your power in our weaknesses. And so, Lord, I pray that your spirit would just continue to stir in our hearts and would give us a heart of repentance this morning. Lord, that you would create in us just a sense of being uncomfortable with anxiety and worry. Lord, help us to surrender those issues today and tomorrow and the following day and to live for your kingdom fully devoted to you, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.